If you're able, stand with me in honor of the Word of God as I read Colossians 3, 1-4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The word of God for the people of God. Sundays. Uh, this Sunday we will look at this union with Christ, his death, resurrection, and glorification, and how we're united with him, come into union with him in his death, resurrection, and glorification. And next week we'll look at the per that pursuit of Christ, keep seeking, setting our mind on him in the anticipation of his return. So all of it has to do with keep seeking the things above. We're going to look at Christ above. And the first aspect we're going to look at with Christ above is our union with Christ. The first part of that union we're going to look at is union with his death, then union with his resurrection, and union in his glorification. You ready? Union with Christ and his death. We're going to look at verse 3 first. Colossians uh, 3, 3. For you have died. Sound like good news? <laughs> it actually is. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ and God. Now, Christ, you know, through, through his word and through the Apostle Paul, God has spoken in his word, and like to the Ephesians, Paul says, you know, you were dead in your sins and trespasses. To the Romans, he explained that all have sinned, and the wages of sin is death. And here, Paul says, you have died. This is a, a lot of Death talk, death. death has to come, 
First, we are all dead in our sins, and to be made alive with God, we must die. All of humanity, throughout the Apostle Paul's teaching especially, is claimed dead, dead in their sins and trespasses, and they must come and die. Hey, dead people, come and die. This is the first call. The only hope for the dead, which is all of us, is to die. This is the good news. This is the hope that we have. This is the gospel. You see, it is not a call for a better you. It is not a call to reform you. It is not a call that in this new year you're going to try harder. It is not a special revelation that I'm going to get some special gnosis knowledge that when you get it, then you will find the good news. It's not any form of stricter legalism. It's not even any greater asceticism in which you can beat your body into submission. You are called as dead people to come and die. That's the call of the gospel. You must die. Jesus told his disciples that anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You want to follow Jesus? Come and be crucified with me. Come and die. I don't want and I can't deal with, Jesus is saying, a better version of you, but I can't deal with a crucified you. Come and die. Come and die. This is, this, is, this is like no other gospel in the world. It's like no other religion. It's like no other call. All calls are for a better version of you and that you can do it. Here are the steps. But our only hope in the gospel is to come and die. But it's not just to die. It is to die with Christ. To die with Christ. Earlier in Colossians in chapter 2, Paul reminded us of having been buried with Christ in our baptism. Remember that? Having been buried with him in baptism, died, buried in baptism. He had reminded us of that. Now he's saying, You have died. But remember your baptism? Remember when you died? Remember when you were buried in those waters? Remember when you identified with the death of Christ? Do you remember when the old you had to be crucified and pushed under that water when you had to yield? was the hope of the gospel. That was the beginning of the process of union with Christ. It was to die and to be buried, and not just to die and be buried alone, but to die and buried with someone. 
you were identifying with someone, you were coming into union with Christ through his death. You must die, but Paul is to come and die. You have died, Paul said, and your life is hidden with Christ. So your death is with Christ, and now your life is hidden with Christ in God. So where's my life now? Well, it's hidden with Christ. What does that mean? Well, to Christians living in Rome, uh, Paul said it this way, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. That's why you must die, and that's why your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's why, because you're crucified with him, and that is the only process in which your life can be hidden with Christ. See, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. See, nothing else will do that. Nothing else will bring sin to nothing. Paul might say to the Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's what might be said to a person who has died and their life is now hidden with Christ. That's the gospel. That's the beginning of the gospel, is death. A call to crucifixion, a call to union with Christ through death. Only being crucified with Christ brings a new life in Christ. That he lives in. I love the remodeling shows, but one of my favorite ones was they came to Adam Wood's program, as Wood the Walls program. There is some corrosion in this room, dug around it in the foundations. I think we can redeem little tiny place on a little tiny lot that they got for next to nothing. But even they were worried, you know, when they looked at it, they said, even if we have to end up tearing this house down, because this is the worst one that we get down to the street and showed you guys. Uh, we can still make money on this just because they got it for less than even the land was worth. So they were like, okay. So they start tearing and looking, start digging in the foundation. And sure enough, one of the only one remodeling shows that's not a remodeling show. They just came to <laughs> Had to get it. Just couldn't restore it, couldn't do anything, they couldn't salvage any of the foundation at all. The roof rotted, the walls rotted, the foundation rotted, and it was way worse. They could see that's the way we are in our lost condition. There's nothing redeemable in us. There's nothing we bring to the cross. We come with empty hands. Nothing to the cross I bring. And simply to the cross I cling. Nothing in our hands we can bring. Nothing resaptable about this. A remodeling show this bulldozers. It must be crucified with Christ to be raised new in Christ. But Christ is seated, we say we see in Colossians 3 1 now, as we look at communion with Christ by being raised with Christ. If then we look at verse 1, you have been raised with Christ. So raised with Christ. We are with him in his death. And we are with him in his rising. Okay, this is looking a little more hopeful here. Uh, 
dead, okay? You know, because to rise, you've got to die. You can't rise if there's no death. So the death comes and the rising. Paul, actually, he says, if you then being raised, then you've got to know that you die. You know, so it kind of starts with, if you, if you then have been raised, you are that dead. If you raised, you had to have been dead. I just kind of put the ground and showed the death first. You know, and then getting to this verse 1, you have been raised with Christ. So we're in union with this death. And we're in union with this life. We're brought into union with the resurrected Christ. Raised with him. If we die with Christ, we've been set free from something. If we've been raised with Christ, we're set free for something. From something, for something. We're set free from our slavery to sin, from that old self enslaved to sin, but set free for something, raised with this new life in Christ. Given something. Given a new life. The death and the resurrection is for something. We're raised with Christ for something. Set free from our slavery to sin, set free for our new life that's raised in Christ. And that new life is pretty big with Jesus. It's big. It's a new life. Wherein we're, we're severed from our old way, severed in all kinds of ways through death, in our union with Christ, and we're united and in union with Him in this new way, this new way of life in all kinds of ways. I won't be able to dig into all of them, but know that, and you should know if you've walked in Christ, that we don't attain sinless perfection in this life. But our lives are radically changed. We realize that we have a new power in us that is radically sin-denied. We changed. Our lives changed. It's radical. It's like the power of being raised with Him has changed our life and given us new life over the old sinful enslaved habits that brought destruction in our life. There's new power there being raised. You die with Christ communion and you're raised with Christ and you're raised with Christ with a new power, a sin-denying power not just denying sin and going, no, 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 but a Christ-affirming power. You see, Paul had taken him through Colossians 2 and shown him all this grip of places where they could try to attain deliverance from sin. We've all seen that Christ, that's good, but have you tried this? Have you tried that? Legalism, asceticism, worship, faith, all these different things. And there's this whole other thing that's coming to them. You could do it this way. And Paul's refocusing them on the gospel here in chapter 3. None of those things work. Don't even turn to them. Why would you now? Because they have no power over the indulgences of the flesh. Now he's saying, you've been raised with Christ. Look back here. Get back here. This is the new year. Get back here on the focus of Jesus. Paul's refocusing on union with Christ in his death. Remember to die. Remember you have died. Remember you were a dead man walking and then you died and were crucified with Christ. And then remember that you raised with him and you're
you're called to something, out of something, into something, this new life of Christ, and it is a power in the resurrection life that defeats sin. Sin denying, sin victorious over sin, you're no longer slaves to it, you do not have to yield to it, you can battle it, and you can win it with union with Christ. Crucify it, and be raised to new life. And it's Christ affirming. It's, it's affirming who Christ is when you live this way. It's just not sin denying. You're not just turning away from something. But you're turning towards something. You're turning towards something that is much more beautiful, much more pleasurable. We sing about it today. You're my satisfaction. You're my only satisfaction. Sin no longer satisfies me. I turn from it. I die. I crucify myself. These are Christians. These are Christians at Grace Harvest that are centered on the gospel. This is my call. This is my life to preach the good news. This is my only hope in 2024. I have no other hopes but to die with Christ and to be raised with him. And he is glorious. It's a glorious life. It's better than any other life anyone can offer you. Any other pleasure. It's sin crucifying and Christ affirming to follow him in the resurrection and the new life he gives us. If you have been raised with Christ, you know where he's at? He's seated at the right hand of God. He's seated at the right hand of God. When you follow Christ, you don't follow an angel. You don't follow a Buddha or a Mohammed. You don't follow some glorified person, no movie star. You don't follow that kind of fame. You follow the one who has been raised and is seated at the right hand of God. I mean, that's who we follow, brothers and sisters. He's seated at the right hand of God. And that doesn't mean a destination. I can't wait to get there. It's not a, a geographical location. It's the place of honor and power and authority at the right hand. That's what it is. That's what he's seated. That's where you've been raised to. It's transformative. It's a place of highest honor. It's a place of all authority. That's why in the ascension he can say, all that between authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go. Make disciples. These kind of disciples. Gospel-centered, Christmas-centered disciples that are rooted and grounded in the gospel. You can yield him with his death and resurrection. And know he's the one seated at the right hand of the Father of all power and authority in heaven and earth. And we go at his command. Not the command of anyone else. <laughs> For myself, under there, anybody else. We go at his command because he's seated at the right hand. We go and make disciples because he is the one with all authority. He's seated at the right hand. And we know when he says, Behold, I'm with you always till the end of the age. He means it. It's finished. He's at his right hand. He'll never leave you. He'll forsake you. Go. No. In that power, be raised with Christ. And you know what it is to be raised with Christ? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. I just like that position that we're in with Christ. Why would I want to try to attain 
some other position of all those things Paul mentioned in Colossians 2. But I can be in a position, crucified with Christ, raised with him, but one who is seated with all authority at the right hand of God. Why would I turn to worship angels? Why would I go back to worship Moses in any way? Joshua or anyone else? Or any form of adding all that into it? Why? Paul is saying, now, now you've been raised with Christ. You have been crucified with Christ. You have been dead. You have died with Christ. And he is seated at the right hand of God with power. You have died and you have risen with Christ. And if that's not enough, I just want to give you a glimpse of something else that's coming. You will be glorified with Christ. Now, come on, saints. We sang about that, man. We sang about some heaven today, didn't we? You will be glorified. Why would you need to say that after all this? Because our destination, our complete, ultimate consummation, all that this is working to is union with Christ, not just our death and resurrection, but it's to be united with Him in His glory. Amen. United with Him in His glory. Now, is anybody else offering that? You know, it's too, it's too much. That's why it's gospel. If it doesn't sound like it's too much, it's not gospel. It's just gospel because it's Jesus and coming into union with him and he's bringing you along to inherit everything he's inherited. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. We're coming into all that he has given us through his death and resurrection. Our future hope is life with him in glory. We're with him in his death. Come on, saints. Yes? We're with him in his resurrection. Come on, yes. And we're going to be with him in his glory. Can you say yes? Amen. Yes. Our end matters, like where that's all going to, and it affects our now. Everything about where you're going to end up, everyone begins to think about where does it all end. And that matters. It affects how you're living it affects how you're living now. The end matters. It affects your living now. Paul throws it in here because he knows that. He knows it affects so many things. I don't have time to cover them, but our future matters in how we resist sin today. That's what he's going to go to in five. And we'll begin to look at it some next week, too. But the very next verse is about resisting temptation and all the temptations. It's, it's about resisting sin and the pleasures of sin. There is the offer of sin is tempting because there is temporary pleasure in sin. That's why people do it. We all do it. It's because there's temporary pleasure in sin. Paul has given us this future hope, this greater pleasure. And it's what uh, Hebrews says even Moses had. That he resisted the temporary pleasures of Egypt uh, for something more lasting. He gave it up. He gave up Egypt. Gave up the temporary passing, fleeting, it says, pleasures of sin for something lasting in God. And he went out into the desert with a bunch of people and followed God to something that was lasting. See, he had a, had a future hope that motivated his now to leave the fleeting pleasures of sin. I mean, that's powerful. That's great. That's a lot of the focus here in, in Colossians. 
of Paul mentions that even our suffering now, how do you get through suffering now? Paul calls it momentary and light. How does he call our suffering now momentary and light, especially the amount of suffering that the Apostle Paul went through? You can read almost the whole chapter of the Bible about his sufferings. And he can call that momentary and light? Yes. Why? Because he says of the surpassing glory that is to come. A vision of his end made his suffering now temporary, light, and momentary. That's the power of the ending. We also, Christ gives us this vision, not just of ourselves, but who we're walking along with in the body of Christ and even a vision of the world about what could be their ultimate glory in Christ. You don't know, right? Walking around lost people, walking around, they can have this future glory. Who am I walking with you, body of Christ? Glorified with you, glorified with this. Who are you? And who might these people that I meet out in the world now become. Might they too have a future hope in this glory? Yeah. Because we were once all lost. And the good news came to us and we believed. What about them? What about this glory? What about this future hope? This ultimate glory of Christ. This union of Christ. Great. Death, crucified with Christ, yes, raised with Christ, resurrection of Christ, but this future glory of Christ, how does that make us think when we think about these things above? Well, we see each other with love and regard each other not how they are now, sometimes walking through the muck of their sin, but we see each other glorified. We see each other glorified, ultimately glorified with Christ. We encourage people, crucify your sin. You've been raised to practice if your position in Christ lived this way. And you know what? I'm leading you. I'm walking with you. You're going to be glorified with Christ. Glorified with him. I have this love and respect for you. I have a love and respect even for the lost, as I said, and a love and respect even for my enemies. Because I don't know they couldn't be synced with me in glory forever. You know, you don't want to meet those people in glory and say, yeah, you met me and you treated me like this, right? You want to meet these saints in glory and say, you know what? You spoke the gospel to me. You told the truth to me, and I made it. I just want you to know. Maybe you don't know that. But they did. You know? But, but they, this is the way we live our life. This is the transformation of Colossians 3 when when we live in union with Christ, we live in this future hope of this union that one day others in the world might die. They might be raised with Christ. They might die with Christ. And they might be raised to the same glory that our promising future hope is. If you've read any C.S. Lewis and read The Weight of Glory, he talks about this weight. And he says it probably a lot more profoundly than, than I've tried to say it here. Here's what he says. The load or weight, and then the book called 
the load or weight or burden of my neighbor's glory should be laid on my back, a load so heavy Come on, saints. Only humility can carry this glory. The thought of this glory. Only humility can carry it. And it breaks the backs of the crowd when they try to carry it. It's a serious thing to live in a society of possible, this is a little key, of possible gods and goddesses. Think of this. You're living in a society of possible gods and goddesses to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to in one day may be a creature which if you saw it glorified you would be strongly tempted to worship or else in horror and a corruption such as you now meet if at all only in a nightmare now he's talking about people on two different paths right all day long we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. It is the light of, of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the awe and circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with one another, all friendships, all love, all play, all politics, all everything. You're actually never meeting any ordinary people, and you are never actually talking to a mere mortal. That's looking at life a lot differently. And that is because when you have died with Christ, you are raised with Christ, and your future hope is to be glorified in Christ. And you see all things differently. You see the body of Christ differently, and people that are walking along with you on this journey of life as a Christian. And you look out at the world differently with a hope-filled future that who knows they too would be glorified with him in glory one day with me. Who knows? And next week, we're going to look at through these scriptures how who we are in union with Christ, death, resurrection, and glorification affects our life and how we keep seeking and set our minds on the anticipated return. Ready? All right. So, today, we just close with Christ is our whole life. And that changes everything. Amen. Let us come to the table. Said, uh, in my own words, meeting your neighbor is the closest thing to tasting and the coming and the participating of the elements that are about to be taken. And he thought this is slightly above that. You're coming to remember the Lord's body, his broken body for us, and his death. And we're taking elements that help us remember his death until he returns. But basically, Lewis and the way the glory said, only second to that is when we go out and meet the neighbor and we walk out with one another in the body.
that's touching them, the reality of Jesus. Amen. And we come today, and we're going to pick up this cup, put the food and the wine in it, and the bread, fill it. And if you're here and you've died with Christ, been raised with Christ, you know your future hope is with your Jesus Christ. You're welcome to come to this table and raise a love.
because the youth was from the West. Now to sing forth your songs, to lift you up and give you the glory that only you are worthy of. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.